Welcome to Focus Schools podcast series called Leading for Impact. Uh, my name is Brett Bishop, and I've been working on Focus Schools for longer than I care to remember right now, but about a little over 10 years. And today I'm thrilled to be joined with a couple of really good friends. First of all, my good friend in the podcast every time is my friend Kathy Crum. How are you today, Kathy? I'm well, thank you. And we are both really excited to be joined today by a friend of ours from Norfolk, Virginia, the principal of Richard Bowling Elementary School, newly named Dr. Eric right, Goodman. Man. So good to see you, Eric. How are you today? I'm outstanding. Thank you so much for having me. It's our pleasure, and we're really excited to have you here today. And our focus today is to learn and to talk a little bit about the importance of coaching. I know you two have worked together in that coaching relationship, and I'm excited to hear you talk about it. And I thought, Kathy, if you might get us started. Yeah, I'd love to do that. The coaching piece for me is really the key to everything. And I learned that when I myself was going through the work of Focus Schools, and I was um, I was just so fortunate to have a coach. And actually, it was the first time that I had ever experienced that kind of um, professional learning. From there, I, I think that some of the most important lessons I ever learned happened with coaching. And then, of course, as I was on the other side of things, I've been really, really excited to actually hone my coaching skills and be able to coach people. And one of the very impactful leaders that I've gotten to coach is Dr. Goodman. Eric, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about your um, journey with Focus Schools? Oh, well, great. Thank you. Thanks again for having me. Excited. I'm excited to hear the word doctor. Um, so that's exciting. Just recently defended my dissertation, which was a journey within itself. But uh, I have our district. Of course, you all came to our district and you all helped us in several different capacities. But having the experience of working with focus schools uh, changed my leadership outlook. We always talk about how in leadership, we have different lenses in which we look through. And so having the personalized coaching experiences through focus schools really allowed me to analyze what I was doing on a daily basis. It really allowed me to look at myself and really deep down reflect on what does it mean to be uh, the chief instructional leader each and every day in the building? Um, and what does it mean to empower teachers to be decision makers? Um, what does it mean to uh, have the every stakeholder involved in the decision-making in your building. And so that's one of the benefits of working with you all. You all kind of opened my ears and opened my eyes up to that. And it's just been, um, it's been a joyful ride ever since. So Eric, specifically, when you think about the coaching, how did that impact your leadership around the best practices and the implementation of core instruction, which is, of course, what we're after, right? Sure. Great question. So um, and one of the the philosophies of focus schools that, that I took on my leadership is really looking at doing something very well in your program. When you all came on, you know, my data was kind of all over the place. Um, I had a lot of different stakeholders really looking at the program, trying to figure out, you know, what are we going to do? But what I enjoyed about my coaching experience with focus schools is that holistic data. We looked at the academic data. We looked at the discipline data. We looked at the attendance data. We said, no, well, what can Richard Bolton put in place to make a huge impact? Walk me through the process of, uh, you know, selecting that instructional focus with the three evidence-based practices. Currently here at Richard Bowling, we have the reading comprehension as our instructional focus, and then we have three evidence-based practices around um, effective tier one instruction, fostering love reading of our boys and girls and how we're going to do that, and then use of questioning and formal assessments to ensure that 
all that information is aligned to the uh, standards in which we have to deliver. What the work of focus schools allowed me to do is to drown out every other thing and focus in on that, that uh, instructional focus and the three evidence-based practices and to eat, sleep, and breathe it with every meeting, every function, every person I'm talking to in the community. I'm in the grocery store. When I'm in the grocery store, parents are saying, oh yeah, the instructional for, oh yeah, it's reading conference. Oh yeah, because they hear it when we answer the phones, it's on our webpage, it's on our t-shirts, um, it's on our letterhead that we send out. Working with you all has allowed me to focus and hone in on relentlessly communicating around an instructional focus with three evidence-based practices in each and every subject that we do and each and every conversation that we have for any stakeholder. Great. Wow. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So then you're talking about the overarching same thing. So that leads me to a question about the long range planning. You know, we met every few weeks and I remember sitting in your office um, making those long range plans. So how did, how did coaching help you with that process? Well, you know, one thing, uh, Kathy was, uh, and I call Kathy the real deal. So Kathy, the real deal crumb, that's her name. And we all call her that good, now. Good gracious. And that's <laughs> tweeted in everything that I, every, every meeting, uh, because I've never met someone who, who there's nothing intimidating about Kathy crumb. However, you're going to be focused when you're talking to her. So you're not going to, you're not going to be goofing off too much, you know, and that was a beautiful thing, but we had a, we had a genuine relationship and that was with all the coaches in the organization, but Kathy, you know, you know, of course you were my personal coach and uh, the long range plan. What I, what I liked about it is that we consistently use the instructional focus um, and the uh, seven tenets that uh, focus school puts out as the basis of what do we want to see? So we always did a program evaluation. What went well, you know, almost like the, um, some of us call it the SWAT, you know, some of the strength, the weaknesses, the opportunities and threats. So what went well from that current school year? Um, what did not go well? What are your opportunities and where you want to go from here? But it wasn't pulling anything out of the sky. It was what went well with making sure that the instructional leadership team uh, met about the instructional focus. What went well with student academics in reference to fostering the love of reading with your children? So it was always working with you and working with the company allowed me to go back to a thought, go back to the instructional focus, go back to the evidence-based practices. Whereas in previous years before, I would look at every single thing you know, and try to pull some things together as leaders do. Um, but like I said, it was evaluating where we work with instructional focus, what do we need to do with instructional focus, and where do we need to go with instructional focus. So. When you were talking about that, Eric, one of the things that really s- struck with me and resonated with me was how hard it is when you are trying to, um, in this case, be a principal of a school sure. to, to stay sort of on top of anything because mm-hmm. there's so many things. Sure. And so sure. the, the thing that I was always struggling with was this notion of, I thought I needed to just work harder and work longer to attend to a thousand things. Absolutely. And what helped me with a coach was, in my version of the real deal was coming. Um, <laughs> oh, you had a real deal as well. I did. Yes. Yes. But what, what happened to me was it was like, I knew that spot in my schedule every month mm-hmm. was like, Oh my gosh, I made a promise that I was going to get yep. these things done. 
which mm-hmm. sort of like kept, I, they used to call it, I was majoring in the minors, you know, and it, I was always doing the things I was doing a thousand things. I wasn't sure. sitting around doing nothing, sure. but they were the minor things. And I wasn't spending the time on the things that were actually going to be sure. high leverage for student achievement. So I wondered if, if your experience was similar, if there's any thoughts you had around that. Kind I of did. Thing. So the real deal always made me leave with commitment. <laughs> I had commitments whether I wanted to or not. As the personalized coaching, and that's one of the things I appreciated about working with Focus School is that I didn't feel like I was talking to a stranger. I felt like I was talking to Kathy, who was a part of this family, was a part of the Rich Bowling family, who knew everything about me, including sometimes when I did not want to meet with her. <laughs> she would say, you don't like you want to meet me today, but we've already made a promise and commitment. I'm glad, and I'm glad you're here and I'm glad I'm here. So let's go ahead and get to work. So that was, that was a beautiful thing. So we always uh, left every meeting we always left with what are you going to commit to doing you know so for example one of my tasks was always how do i get into classrooms how do i get into classrooms and so one of the things we noticed is that you usually start in the office and so we said no don't start in the office you're in the hallway stay there and grab your stuff and go in the classroom straight from there i had to put that in my calendar because the real deal would want to see my calendar and to see, okay, are you actually strategically putting yourself in the classroom? And then what was the evidence? And I was like, oh, I have to submit evidence too. Oh, so now you want to see me there. Now you want to see the evidence here. So it was committing to something each and every time we had a coaching session and then holding me accountable, um, which makes me accountable to the scholars in this building, which makes me accountable to the staff and to this academic and social program. And Eric, um, you were so great about taking the practices that we did in coaching too, and then going ahead and doing some coaching for your own team. Sure. Which is beautiful. So, got to see you do that for your people as well. Those are, you know, how it impacted the planning and then your daily practice of in focus schools. One of our goals is that our leaders are doing instructional work 50% of the time, at least. And that includes being in classrooms and other things that have to do with instruction. Mm-hmm. So, and you definitely, um, Gosh, you improved on that immensely during your time. Oh, man, it makes my heart warm to hear. Yeah. That means some yeah. improvements. Thank you. Got into the classrooms and, Thank then, you. and then left some good feedback. And yeah, yes. very, very good to see. So then there's also, you know, there's the day-to-day, but then there's also the big picture of being a leader and improving your leadership skills. You know, a person in coaching chooses the, the skills that they would like to improve upon because each mm-hmm. of us is different. Um, so how did the coaching help you to think about your leadership skills and what you wanted to improve on overall? And that's that's one thing about the coaching sessions. I, I really felt, like I said, when my coach came, Kathy Crum, when she came, she knew everything about me, knew everything about my leadership style, what brought me to this table, what concerns I was having before she left, and also like the follow-up sessions throughout. So I never felt like I had to catch you up on anything. Like when you sat down, it was let's get to work. Because I, you know, sometimes I've had coaches in the past where you see them one time, you don't see them again until the next session. So you spend a lot of time saying, you know, while you're gone, this happened, this happened. Oh, this is going great, that type of thing. But the follow-up sessions you did in between your time, the personal time that you had, I felt like we could get straight to business. And one of the the drastic improvements is, is that, you know, as administrators, you know, um, and Brett, you kind of alluded to it. We feel as though we have to do a million things. And so I've always been the avid clock watcher. And so that sometimes doesn't go over well with uh, relationship building. You sit down and I have, I can just remember like, and this is how I used to be. This is the progress. But I, you know, if I had an hour uh, time, you know, if I had this 
this amount of time and I had five people to speak to, but I have, you know, 20 minutes left and that last person's there. I am going to talk to that person for that 20 minutes and I'm getting out of here. That's the way it used to be. So now I've, you know, through coaching, I've learned that I wasn't the best listener <laughs> and I wasn't the best listener, but I've improved upon that. And I, you know, I still have, you all have given me the opportunity to still be myself because I'm still animate, you know, about keeping time. But now I've just done things such as if a teacher would like to see me in the hallway or somebody, I'll say, well, I don't really have the time now, but I do have 20 minutes in the day. So actually phrasing it. So it's, it's a win-win. So I'm still building relationships, still being able to support teachers and staff members, but I'm also satisfying my appetite to stay organized, you know? And so that's what I think that coaching has done as far as my leadership is that really I have not changed my core principles um, and what I, you know, what I truly believe in, but it's taking some of the things that, you know, like we're going to give you an example at the time is taking those things and see how can I look at it from a different perspective to make sure I'm still being an effective leader um, for all the scholars and all the you know teachers that I have here in the building. Yeah. And Eric, you really um, just the listening individually, but also um, as we as you continued with your building of your leadership, your messages to your staff became a lot more targeted, yeah. um, concise. You talked about communicating relentlessly, but your sure. letters and everything that you did regarding your communication that was two-way communication um, mm. just, just became much more on target. So it wasn't so much about, you know, what's going to happen on the calendar, but it's about, this is what we're focusing on this week. And these are the things I'm going to be looking for when I go into classrooms and, and mm. then follow through on those commitments as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I didn't have a choice. <laughs> You know, another thing um, I want to bring up is you, this happens with all principals, the idea of having an instructional leadership team, you alluded to it at the beginning, letting go of some of the control and you don't have to do everything. And you actually ended up um, having some really strong instructional leadership teams and leaders. So um, yeah, talk a little bit about how that went for you. Just, just not having to be the, you know, the final word on everything, but actually distributing that leadership and sharing. And actually, your trial sure. teacher was is now an assistant principal. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, and that's what we do. We build leaders, and you know, and as as uh, building level leaders, our job is to build and develop other leaders that are under us, um, that are under our supervision. And so I take that very seriously, and that is something that I did pick up from focus schools is that, yes, you are the chief instructional leader. I'm the chief energy officer of this building. However, that does not mean that you have to be the chief decision maker on everything that you do. Creating the instructional leadership teams, which I have a multidisciplinary team in my builders, which consists of our grade level chairs, SPED chair, uh, resource chair, so the uh, resource team is represented, but parents and scholars. Um, but what that allowed me to do is that it allowed me to be a voice on a group of leaders. And so that improved. I can remember having a, an evaluation and we do climate surveys. And one of the things that I was downgraded in was teachers having a voice in the academic program. And so creating the instructional leadership team, it has allowed me to ensure that everybody has a voice because on the great levels, the, when we meet twice a month, we meet the first Tuesday and the third Tuesday of every month. When we meet, they're bringing the concerns or ideas or things that are going well. So I like to call them attaboys. They're, call, they're bringing that 
from their team. And so they're represented. And it, it allows me as the leader to sit back and listen and be a part of the process instead of, you know, stressing about, oh, I got to listen to everything they're saying and make a decision, this, that type of thing. Um, and then we had the lovely idea of on our instructional leadership team to have an IOT chair. Um, so have a uh, somebody who chairs a team. And I can tell you, you know, one chair, and we've done it uh, two, the last two years, one chair just earned her doctoral degree. Um, and the other chair was just promoted to um, assistant principal in another building. And so that really spoke volumes about, you know, what they were doing and promoting that leadership. But that ILT team has been key for me because it has allowed me to breathe as a leader as well. Because sometimes we feel like we don't, we're being suffocated by so much but um, when you hear your teachers and staff members talk about the instructional focus, talk about the peer accountability, talking about how scholars work samples are, the joy between looking at scholars work samples and examining it according to their, uh, against their tier one instruction. And when you're hearing them talk about the climate improving or uh, having conversations with parents around student accountability, those type of things that, that just gives you a overwhelming feeling that, you know, you're doing something right. You're doing something great here um, and you want to make it better every year. So every year you look, you're like, okay, well, last year, you know, we had an ILT chair. You know what? Why don't we make a co-chair? You know, why don't we have two and we build two leadership, you know, and you get a little greedy as a leader because you're like, okay, if I could do it for one, I could do it for two. And then, you know, a two for one special going on here. No, it's just been a wonderful experience. And like I said, being the fact that I'm now able to release some of that control, because that was some of my feedback from some of my first early sessions, that you have your hands and your thumb on everything. And when do you sleep? That was the response from my coach. <laughs> I don't think you sleep, um, but it allowed me, like I said, to sit back and relax and enjoy the process, you know, and sometimes we don't feel like we, as, as principals, we feel all, all animated, but when you're an active part of a team of leaders, you're a part of the process and you don't necessarily have to navigate the entire thing. So you actually enjoy and go back and tap into why did I become a principal? Why did I become, you know, an educator and really allow me to examine along with the other stakeholders, um, this academic and social program here. Um, well, I wondered, you were talking, Eric, that one of the things that came up in my mind was there's obviously a, a significant amount of trust between you two. And yes. I, I, I valued when I've been coached or when I've co coached others, the notion that this is a conversation that I, where I can shut the door and I can be vulnerable and I can say if something's well, gone poorly, I know that that doesn't happen by accident. So I wondered if you might talk a little bit about how you guys made agreements about confidentiality and how, you know, the, the trust aspect of coaching um, worked for you too. Sure. That's a good question. Well, a good statement. So that's one thing, real deal, Kathy, the real deal, Crumb did very well, was that she consistently stated, you know, these conversations stay here with us, you know, this conversation stay. And so it was talk in the beginning, but it was actions towards the middle, you know, part of our coaching, uh, because I would say some, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Oh, that's going to get back to my boss. So that's going to get back to the superintendent or whatever. Um, and it never did. It never did. And so it was the trust that was built from the very beginning. Like I said, it was words. Um, and then it would turn into action. And so it was pretty, pretty special to me. And it was, like I said, it was something and she'll tell you in the beginning, I don't know if she even remembers this, but I'm going to say it and hopefully it comes out well. But I remember one day, I just did not want to have coaching that day. I said, I'm just not in the coaching mood. And when I sat down, she says, 
uh, looks like you're not focused. I'll even come back. <laughs> she got up and walked out. I said, no, 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 no. I'm ready. I'm good. I'm okay. I'm okay now. But no, it was that type of thing. Um, but I looked forward to our sessions and it was something that even like I, I dreaded because, you know, as a principal, you feel like you're under the microscope all the time and then yes, everybody sure. not just central office but you have community stakeholders you have your teachers you have your parents you have your scholars um and then you have the news i mean you just have everybody kind of analyzing what you do on a daily basis so i was like i don't need another person analyzing <laughs> what i'm doing i have, i'm full the stadium mm-hmm. is full i don't need anybody else to come in from the from the day you know from the balcony looking down on the dance floor but it was, it was, it turned into something that I look forward to. I look forward to Captain Coming because like I said, it was my time to let it all out and not be judged. Say, you know what? I did that night. She can tell you I would have, you know, different concerns with teaching practices and all those type of things. And she would say, I see the look on your face. Let's talk about it. You know, and I would just be open and honest about what I did, where I felt it went wrong. And she was there to support me, but not run my program. She was saying, no, this is your program. This is your show. Let's talk about it. Let's talk it out. And then I would get a phone call that I would say, well, I'm meeting with the team on Wednesday morning at 10 o'clock. And lo and behold, I'll get a call on Wednesday at eight o'clock saying, hey, just thinking about you. I know you're ready for that meeting. You're going to be great. Uh, I look forward to hearing about how it's going. And so that's where the relationships were solidified. The relationship between us was solidified because it was just amazing. And you look forward to it and you're like, oh man, I can't wait to the next session. So it was that, that, was, that was kind of how those relationships well, were. Eric, one of the reasons that the relationship worked is because you um, are very open to learning and you are a, what we would call coachable, even the days that you really don't want it, you're open to, to learning. And so um, the coaching relationship is a beautiful one and it takes two, right? It takes two. That's mm-hmm. one of the reasons we actually be on this podcast because you really um, are a person who embraced the coaching and, thank and you. it's also, you're a great coach yourself. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I also think that, that there's a skill, obviously there's a skill set to coaching, but there's also a skill set to receiving coaching. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and that's something that I think is good for coaches and coaches to talk about, you know, and it, it is, it isn't easy to receive coaching sometimes. And, and especially in my experience, um, the best coaching I've ever received, it often has really difficult conversations in it where someone's telling me, Hey, Brett, you got to get better at this. This has got to change. This has got to, you know, this is something that you're doing that isn't helping the mission of the organization. Absolutely. Those are the things that sometimes are the hardest to hear, but maybe the most important to hear. Sure. I remember one day you showed me an email. I'm like, no, you're going to stand up and walk down the hall and go talk to that person. <laughs> I don't remember that. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't, I don't remember. I don't remember that day. She was like, she was like, email and and Get like, up from your desk and go talk oh, to them. That's like, a face-to-face thing. <laughs> it's so much easier to send the email from here. Uh-huh. But she was like, we're talking about relationship building. You have a heartbeat. You got to go down and talk to them. I was like, yes, ma'am. I'm on my way. I'll let you know how it goes. You did it right then, right? Yes. You, you said it's time to do it by... by oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Well, it's, this, is, um, this conversation is one that I feel like there's so much value for people who are in the positions of trying to lead classrooms, lead schools, lead districts, because as you mentioned, Eric, they're constantly under a microscope oh, and sure. it's really um, high stakes because we care so much about the children that we serve. And mm-hmm. in the case like Richard, Richard Bowling, you know, the kids there need your school to be 
great. That your sure. school can't be good. Your, your school has to be great every day yes. to make good on the promises to vulnerable learners. And people like yourself who have chosen to give of your time and your life and your career to those children, we can only say how much we at Focus Schools admire and appreciate you for the work that you do and all those who are in your school doing that work because your kids need you. And we really value the fact that you've not only do the work, but you've allowed us to partner with you. Thank Absolutely. you for, for all that. And thank you for being here with us today. And thank you, Kathy, for bringing your amazing coaching to Focus Schools and to, the, to this conversation. I really appreciate both of you. I'm super grateful to Eric. And I, I just talk about you all the time. What a great leader you are. So Thank you so much. I'm super, pre- I'm super appreciative. Great conversations today. Thank you. Yeah. And thanks to those who um, were uh, took the time to listen in with us today. We really appreciate that. We know you were, your challenges and the work that you're doing are significant. And we would encourage you, if you enjoy this podcast, to go onto our website and go to the podcast tab to uh, take in other ways. As I mentioned earlier, we have several different ways in which our podcasts are designed to try and help folks. And we, we love to have you connect there and also on our website focusschools.com you can find our social media pages because we like to share the work that we learn from places like Richard Bowling Elementary School and all over the country so we encourage you to go on and like and follow because we would like to get to know the work that you're doing and we thank you for spending your time on this podcast with us today on behalf of Principal Eric Goodman and Kathy Crum say we wish you the best of luck in the work that you're doing with your schools and hope to hear from you soon.